Well, you may have guessed it, and I think as I mentioned it earlier, we're talking about young people and children this morning. Um, if you missed it, my name's Andy. I'm the church leader here at Concord, and we've been going through a mini little vision and values series. Next week, we're digging into uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We're starting a new sermon series that runs us through until Easter. Um, but this week, we're doing our last one on vision and values, and we're looking at this value that I can't quite put my na- a name to it. But I'm gonna we're gonna dig it. We're gonna sort of go for growing younger. We want to be a church that is growing younger uh, in some way, shape or form. Some of us want that more than others for lots of various reasons. I've seen a lot of white little hairs that are appearing on the side of my head over the last few years. Nothing to say about how stressful you guys are, um, but I don't know, maybe I'm just getting to that age. Um, but we've spoken, uh, we've spoken in the last few weeks about invitation, about hospitality, um, about in, we want to be an inviting culture that invites friends and family to come and see what Jesus has been doing. Um, and also we want to invite people and welcome them well, receive them well, make a space for those who are different to us, make space for the stranger outside of our community as well. And um, today we're looking at growing younger. And we've spoken before about how, as a church, one of the words that we like to use, and whether it's perfect or not, um, I think is up for grabs, but we like to use the word family, that we are a church family. And for a lot of people that has some issues, but we want to take it in the best way we can, that that means that we're for each other, we support each other, we care for each other. And um, I love in 1 Timothy 5, verse 1 to 2, where Paul is writing to a young church leader. Um, sometimes people say that I'm a young church leader. So I, kind of, I love Timothy. I feel like it's doing lots of, uh, lots of good stuff here. But one of the things that, uh, that Paul says to Timothy is, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And then he goes on uh, later in, in, this, in this chapter and he says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So it's pretty, pretty bold, pretty, pretty sort of strong language to Timothy and saying, actually, let's take this family stuff seriously, especially if they're your direct relative. If they're your direct uh, relative, definitely take that seriously. But also as a church, honour your, those that are older than you, treat them like they're your father or your mother. And those that are younger than you, uh, treat them like they're your brothers or sisters, that you care for them deeply. And uh, in those days, honouring your father and mother was not just like a nice thing they thought of. It was the law. It was literally what they were told they had to do. It was an honour-shame culture. So in dishonouring those who are older than you, you bring shame upon yourself. Uh, so if you treat those who are older than you uh, worse, then you bring in shame upon yourself. If you bring those who are younger than you, if you treat them badly, then you bring shame upon yourself because that was the culture they were in, this honor-shame culture that we don't quite get our heads around in this day and age. But I love this passage because it does help us see that we have a responsibility for the whole church family that no matter our role in it, we care for those who are different, those who are younger, those who are older. We see them as our family. And we know last week that Anna was talking about how we see people who are on the outside as made in the image of God. We are all made in the image of God. So there is intrinsic value to every single person. And so it makes sense that when we see brothers and sisters of Christ in the church, that we care about them. We care about every single person, even though they are very different to us. And they matter. 
Now, we've, we've, we've been doing a survey and we're slow, slowly leaking the results to you through sermons, but we're also, um, if you're really interested and you'd like to find out a bit more, we, we're, we're writing up a little document if you want to have a little look at the results. Not everybody wants to do that, so we understand we're not going to send it out to everyone. Um, just email the office if you'd like that. Um, but our, our church... Has, we've looked at the demographic makeup. Shout out to Jez, who is over here, played the cajon. Jez basically did all the work on this. He's amazing. Um, and, um, but our, our church, our demographic makeup, 24% of our church are under 16. So almost a quarter are under 16. 32% are between the ages of 17 to 35. Um, 24% are between the ages of 36 to 55. And then 19% are 56 plus. Um, now, you might be thinking, okay, what does, what does that mean? You just said a load of numbers. So about a quarter of the church are under 16. So uh, of those, so say if, however many are in this room here, imagine, chop that bit off. That's how many children are downstairs and are going right now. Um, some, some stay in the service as well. So under 16-year-olds, that's absolutely fine. Um, but we also have, um, we've got a big group, if I'm honest, of 26 to 35-year-olds. That's our sort of main, main demographic, if you went into drill it down a little bit more. But overall, we have quite a healthy spread of different ages and demographics and people who can fit into our church and belong here. And I want to encourage that and increase that if we can. We're sort of in line, if I'm honest, with the surrounding area, with Charlton, Hayes and Brabazon, actually. And the demographics are reasonably similar. And um, but we want to be a church for all ages and stages. And I genuinely believe that a mix of ages of people all in together and all getting to know each other is the best way to do church, honouring each other, learning from each other, up and down in the age brackets as it goes. And so this morning, when I'm talking a little bit about young people and the needs of young people, please do not hear me wrong. When we talk about the needs of a specific group, that doesn't mean that it diminishes or means that we don't care about the needs of other groups. Because we do, we care about every single person. And so this morning, let's just, as we step off, our starting point is just because we're going to talk about young people a lot this morning, doesn't mean we don't care about older people or anything like that. Please do not hear that. That is not what I'm trying to say this morning. But the story of the church nationally is that we are not seeing young people stick around in church. And it's been that way for quite a long time. Unfortunately, there are challenges in the church that we are not addressing or haven't addressed properly. The average Church of England church, so this is the median, um, the mean doesn't really work because there's churches like Holy Trinity Brompton that have about 5,000 people, so they sort of drag it up. Um, but the median, so the sort of middle church, has two and a half children. I don't know what happened to that third child, but there's only half of it there. But two and a half children and 25 adults. So it's about 10% of the church are under, under 16. The lowest 25% of churches, so the sort of smaller 25% of churches, have no children, no children um, out, of, out of their people. So their percentage is zero, zero um, percent of people under 16. And um, about in 2010, the average age of the Church of England, they figured it out, was about 61. Um, I don't think there's a current age. I don't think they, I think COVID meant that they didn't get the, quite the stats. But if it was 61 in 2010, I'm afraid to say I'm certain that the results have not got a lot better. And so if it was 61 in 2010, I could imagine it's pushing 65, maybe 70 by now, because it's been about 10 years, so maybe 65 in terms of averaging. So it could be a little bleak if you look out and see the state, especially of the Church of England. 
And so I, I gave our stats, and we, we're a congregation of about 100 people, kind of depending on how many people come and go, but about 100 people uh, are involved in church so far, and it's growing every single week. Um, and, and so I, I'd like to think that we're doing something, but I still think there's quite a long way to go to see this a place where young people um, can feel they can be a part of our church and can feel like they'll stick it out for the long haul. And um, I'm, I find this personally quite a big thing. I'm of that group of people that fell away from church as a young person. I hated church when I was um, in primary school. Um, when I, I, went to, uh, I went to a church that was quite strict, um, I found it very, very difficult to engage with. I found it very, very... Um, I, found, I felt like I was actually... It didn't, I didn't belong there. It wasn't my place to belong. And, but I did find faith when I was about 17, 18. And God brought me on a journey. And it was through an amazing church that was welcoming in lots and lots of different ways. Um, but I, I, I do believe that not only are the challenges big, the hope is big as well. There is so much that God is going to do through his church to turn this around. And um, I think the first thing that we need to do, and the church with a capital C needs to do, is reorientate our hearts a little bit. We need to have a heart for young people. We need a heart for the young. We need to put it on our agenda as a value in all things, that we think about those that are younger than us. And I think that goes all the way through. If you're, if you're you know, if, I, I hope that those that are kind of 15, 16 uh, are thinking, oh, well, I, I'm going to care about those that are younger than me, but also those that are 50, 60 are caring about those that are younger than them and all of, all of those in between and above as well. And so we're, let, I love this scripture that we first read from Matthew 19. And, and so the, the people brought little children to Jesus to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. They got in the way. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Somehow, this example of the disciples getting in the way of the young people coming to Jesus, somehow we've, we, the church has perpetuated that, I think probably eternally. Um, there are lost generations of young people, and it's been happening for years and years. I'm in my 30s, um, so I'm in that bigger group of, the, of, our, of our demographic. Um, but I'd say that my generation, the majority of people I know are not Christian. And if they did go to church, never, never go uh, anymore. And, and so I would say there was a lost generation of people in their 30s. But I know that I'm not the only generation. In, in, all, in all generations, there are people that we are, know should be and could be in church, but haven't thrived. And so I guess we need to look at two things. What are the things that we're doing that, we, uh, that basically keep people and encourage them to thrive in church, encourage young people? Um, what are the things that we're perhaps not doing that we should be doing? But also, what are the things that we are doing that is putting people off church, that is kicking them out effectively, that is stopping people from being involved in church? Because quite often it's, and I, I'm certain of this, that nobody has suddenly devised a plan where we're saying we don't want young people to be in church. Um, I don't think anybody sat down and said, you know, I don't think there was a PCC meeting, although to be fair, there might be some who might say this. Um, but I'm hoping there was never a meeting of elders where somebody said, oh, should we just forget about the children? Let's just never want, we just don't want them in church. Let's devise church so they would never come back. I don't think anybody did that. But I think accidentally we got to this point where the things we were doing, the systems we were running, the ways that we were doing church accidentally excluded young people and didn't create a place for them to thrive that they just stopped coming 
And when there's this huge drop-off of people when they get to 16, 17, 18, and they go to uni or whatever it is, and then they just never come back. And I, I, it hurts my heart to know that there are people um, who have not been cared for, family members, if we look at that metaphor, that vision for the church, that we haven't made the best place for them to find faith and grow in faith. And so the church needs to put children and young people at the heart and, uh, you know, we're a family. We're, we're adopted by God. He is the father who adopts us. But, and it changes the way we see the world. And so I guess what is the lay of the land currently for us as Concord Church around here? I'd love to talk a little bit about children, youth and students, if you don't mind, mind me saying. Um, children. There are so many children around here, so many young families outside of these four walls in the surrounding area across Bristol. Absolutely loads and loads. There's lots in our church and we praise God every single week for the amazing children that are in our church and young people. We love them. And there is such joy to have such a, a thriving group. You saw little toddlers and all sorts running around. We love the noise. And so... We, there's lots of room in our church for children, but there is so much more, so many more children outside that we want to make room for. There's lots and lots of uh, families who are all different in lots of different ways, whether, they've, whether it's through fostering and adoption, whether it's, through, uh, whether it's through just, I don't know, just taking on children that are relatives and things like that, and are just bringing people along uh, with them on their journey. We want to be a place that doesn't come with a judgmental spirit, to families or people that look different to us. We want to be a welcoming and supportive space for every single family, every single young person, that they could find this place and enjoy being in church, have fun at church. So we, we make sure our services have room for young people. So uh, we believe in kids groups. We think they're amazing. And we believe in youth groups as well. We want to do that. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, but we believe in kids groups because we believe that it gives young people a chance to be spoken to in a way that helps them dig into faith at their, at their se season of life, what works for them. And so we run those and we, we hired uh, Abby when we started. Abby is so sadly leaving us. So um, do, do look out if you know any amazing children and young, uh, young uh, children and families pastors. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. We're, we're recruiting some great roles. That's on the 11th of February. Uh, do, let, do let them know. Um, so we, we want to have kid groups and we made that a thing from the off. We wanted to make sure that our kids' work was amazing and it is. But we also... We want, to, we want to make our services. So when the children are in services and they're in this room, in this space, that this is a safe space for children and young people to be themselves. That they can, that we, so we have worship for everyone. We have action songs at the beginning. There's a heart behind that. It isn't just because we think we should. Actually, there are so many children who cannot read I that's probably not news to you. My son, he's three. He can't read. Um, and actually, there's a lot of adults who cannot read. Um, there's a lot of children who cannot hear. And there's a lot of adults who cannot hear. And so for a lot of children, they can't read the words on the screen quick enough to sing along with the time as it goes through. And so for us, we know that moving our bodies, that doing things that are visual as well as singing oral helps young people worship. It helps them, whether they're from this age or that age or however, age, however tall they are. Um, worship for Everyone, which is our action songs, helps people to engage in worship. And um, so every Sunday, we do action songs. And you know what? I I'm certain for a lot of people, they're like, 
I hate the action songs. Um, and yeah, that's fine. They're not for you. They're for God. So it's good that we do action songs because they're not for you. They're for God. And so when we sing our action songs on a Sunday morning, you'll see me giving it large down the front, embarrassing myself. But you know what? We can't be embarrassed. We can't be embarrassed by this because we don't have any dignity anymore. We are Jesus's. We are his. We can do, we'll do whatever we can to serve to love and to serve and love those toddlers and young people means that we have to embarrass ourselves a little bit and say, actually, I'm going to do this for them. I'm going to do this for them because they are so important. So that's why we do our action songs on a Sunday morning, to encourage them that their faith is important, just as important as the adults, and they have very real faith. So we started with this. That's what we've, we've invested in, young people. But we want to invest, we realise that that's not all the young people. There's loads, loads more. Some represented in this room right now. So I'm talking about you guys. You're amazing. We've got, we, we've got young people. We want to grow our youth work. There is loads and loads of young, uh, young adults and young people in this area that need, need a bit of help, want to have a good time in church. But we can't offer that yet. There's young people who are struggling in school. The schools around here, if I'm brutally honest, the secondary schools are not living up to what they need to be. There is some really, really difficult challenges in the secondary schools in this area. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could help, we could play a part in serving these schools to, to help these young people who need support, who need mentors, need guidance? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could send in, uh, send in youth workers, uh, chaplains almost in schools to be a part of these communities to help them grow as adults and grow into being adults but also grow in faith that there'd be CUs and amazing church communities on in schools um, when, when they can be wouldn't that be fun We'd love to employ a youth worker this year. We're looking at some grants. If anybody hears of amazing funding sources for youth, young people. But if you know amazing youth workers, um, there is a national shortage of youth workers in churches. Do let us know if you know somebody who might be the right person. And we'll be advertising that at some point this year. Um, but we, we want to have a youth worker to grow those communities, but also to grow our youth group here, um, but also to, to reach out and to, to reach those communities around us. Um, because there's some challenges for this younger generation, whether, I don't, what, does anyone know what the next generation is called? We've had Gen, Gen Z. Is there another one? Gen Alpha. Oh, it's gone all the way around. Gen Alpha. Thank you very much. Uh, Gen Alpha is the next generation. We're thinking about them. How do we support them? And we've seen mental health crisis over the last few years in Gen Z, in millennials. I'm a millennial, proud to say it. Um, and, um, you know, was, there's so many issues that communities need support in. And we want, to, we want to support them in that. And I mean, in students, so students in this city, there are 66,000 students in Bristol, 36,000 at UWE, 30,000 at Uni of Bristol. And they need community, they need mentors, they need support and help and food. Um, and you know what? I remember being a student, I had no money when I was a student. I think it's worse now uh, because inflation is a lot worse. Um, so they need care. They need the love of an amazing church to support them. We've got some amazing students in our community but there are so many more coming. They're building community uh, student accommodation on the airfield. There's going to be 1,500 student flats, 50 yards that way or 100 yards that way. And um, so we're really excited about what God might be calling our church to be one day, to have students and young adults thriving in a church. And so we want to see this for the long haul. We need to change our hearts to have a heart for young people. Now, I'm going on, so we're going to move on to my second point. So we want to have a heart for young people, but my second point is that we also want to be young at heart. Uh, we want a heart for young people. We want to be young at heart. Uh, 
to become like a child, which is what Jesus instructed us and called us to be in Matthew 18. He said, uh, Matthew 18, verse 2, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We want to have a heart for young people, but we also need to change our hearts to be more like them. We need to have a humble heart. Jesus specifically mentions that they have um, a a lowly position in society. Um, In those day and ages, uh, children were pretty much ignored. They were kind of just, they lumped in with the the community, with the world. Um, But he was saying, I think there's something about it that actually our status shouldn't matter. And particularly there's something around age here that actually we all want to be humble. We want to be humble. We don't want to think too highly of ourselves. We want to have a, a sort of a learning mindset that we can all learn. We can all change no matter how young or how old we are. We can all grow together. I think part of it is learning to see others like mothers and fathers and to see others as brothers and sisters, like what we saw at the beginning. That actually there are people who are older than us, um, who we could learn from. I think there's people who are younger than us that we could learn from as well, most definitely. And so there's always someone older than you and in this church. If there's not, then there's probably someone wiser. So you can always learn. And a few weeks ago, we had Toby um, come and, and pray, and, and he taught us a little bit about prayer. Toby Flint, he's a, the vicar of St. Nick's Church, where we were planted from. And on the first week of January, he came and shared with us. And he actually, we all prayed this Methodist covenant prayer together. I don't know if anybody remembers it. And I, we won't go into it now, but there's a, there's a little part of it which I absolutely love. I mean, I love the whole thing. It's brilliant. Um, Wesley's a genius. Um, but there was a, a little part of it which basically says, put me to what you will. It says to God, put me to what you will. It's a, re- it's, a, a, it's a prayer of humbling ourselves, of saying, actually, I have no status. I, I will just do for you what you want me to do, God. And it's about listening to what he says and doing it um, to serve him. And they, they pray that prayer every year in the Methodist church. We, we, I'm, to be honest, I feel like we pray it every year because I always bring it up in January because it's amazing. But it, it's, it's basically, it's offering to God the year ahead of you and saying, I'm going to this year, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to follow your will, God. And I'm going to do what you want me to do. And so we want to, um, we want to encourage those. Um, I mean, when Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, he, he's obviously talking to a young leader. And one of the things he says to them uh, in, in verse 12 is, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I think sometimes there's some sort of pride in, in kind of knowing everything and being perfect and wanting to uh, be a good example and all of this kind of thing. When in reality, Paul just says to Timothy, don't, don't let anyone look down on you. Don't take that to heart. Just focus on living a good life, on uh, in just set an example in the way you speak, in the way that you act, in how you love, in your faith and in your purity. He just says, just lead by example. And I think for all of us, Seeking positions of authority shouldn't be a thing that we want to do. We don't need authority. We just need to love. We just need to care. We just need to be humble and let God use us in whatever way that is. And if somebody 
if somebody asks you to be on a team or asks you to lead something and, and, and you think, yeah, God's saying this, then praise God that you get to serve in a new way and you get to serve in a new way. And if you get kicked off a team and you, you get t- torn down from leadership, praise God that you get to serve God in a new way. It's not about positions of authority. It's about loving others. And so um, in my old job, when, in a few old jobs, I've, I've done it a few times. I've worked with university students. Uh, I've abs- I absolutely loved working with uni students. It was such a joy. Uh, in Cambridge, where I was working, and then when I was in, in Bristol, I, I, I've led the student work at St. Nick's for a while. And um, they're so passionate. They're so filled with love and a heart and, you know, so much energy for the gospel that it was inspiring. You know, I kind of had these like delusions of grandeur going into student work. When I I'd just finished being a student, uh, I was in Sheffield where I was a student and we moved to Cambridge and I was like, I know how to run students. I'm going to do this. It's going to be so good. And I thought, I'll start this student group and I'm going to tell them all how to live. This is how you should live, students. Um, and very quickly, I started to realise, actually, these guys, they know it. They, they know so much. They are such incredible believers that they're teaching me. They're teaching me. All I need to do is just create a platform for them to lead and create a space that they can do the stuff that they need to do because they're not the leaders of the future. They're the leaders of now. All of these young people are not the leaders of the future. We don't have to wait before we, before we say, use your gifts. We can encourage them to use their gifts in the now. And what we see so often is actually they're usually a little bit better at a few things from us. It's not a surprise that kids can sometimes hear profoundly from God when they're praying. And they might just have a word or a picture or something. And they're like, I just think Jesus is saying this. And it might surprise the absolute pants off you. But so much, it's, it shouldn't be surprising. Jesus literally says it, that the kingdom of heaven is for them. That God would speak to young people just as much as he'd speak to us. And so let's be young at heart. Let's be inspired by those people around us. And so we've changed our heart. We've got them on our hearts. How do, what do we do next? Well, we just need to start. We just need to get on with it. When I was 18, I came to faith. I mentioned that. And I, I was going to a church. There was an amazing small group that was filled with graduates who'd just come back from uni. They'd just been trained. Some of them were teachers. Some of them were lawyers. And they were working in Warsaw, where I'm from, in the, in the West Midlands. And... Um, And a few of them started this group and started inviting the 17, 18, 19-year-olds and said, come along, get stuck in here. And they'd just give us some food when we went round. They'd pray for us. They'd drop us a few messages, encourage us. But the most thing they did was they just befriended us. They, they, They just showed us an example of how to be a person in that one stage above us. And I loved it. I can't stress how important it was. And you know what? Sometimes people are like, oh, how did you come to faith? And I love to talk about the Alpha course that I did or the Back to Church Sunday program that happened to be running that, church, that Sunday I was there or the, the amazing evening service. But you know what? It wasn't those programs. It was the people. It was the people who surrounded me that allowed me to grow in faith and encouraged me in my giftings, even when I'd only just become a Christian. I was a young Christian. And... Um, when Paul kind of, he helps us so much to discern what does it mean for the church to, to be? He's, he's the kind of person who shaped the church. And um, in 1 Corinthians 4, it says this, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. 
And you might be thinking, what's that got to do with this? Well, Paul, he's writing to, to this community and he's using this example of guardians. Guardians were effectively sort of like babysitters. They would kind of pick up the children in the morning, take them to the stuff they needed to do for the day. And they'd look after them and they'd make sure that they had, their, that they had what they needed. And then at the end of the day, they'd hand them back to the parents. And he's just, and there's nothing wrong with the guardians. That was, you know, it was a good thing they had to do. Um, but he was saying that that's not the same as a parent. That's not the same as a father who will deeply care, who will bear the cost of the other person. And so he's encouraging us all to, to build relationship. There's a relational model to being a father, that, that we know each other. That the, I'm certain that the father would know the children, and that's part of it. A guardian uh, perhaps isn't invested as a, as a father. And so when he's calling the church to be fathers, well, he's, and to imitate what Paul has done as a father to that church, he's just saying, we, you need people. You don't need programs. You need people. Think about the people. So for, for us here and our, our kids and our young people, for most children, their parents will be the ones who are the main influence when it comes to faith. Uh, Care for the Family say that 42% of Christians attribute their faith to growing up in a Christian home. It starts at home. And we've been amazed by how many incredible children have come to church with incredible faith who are being discipled by their parents at home. It's incredible. I'm, it inspires me on how we can work together as a, as, a, as a family in this church to help disciple our children. And so in a child's week, um, they're with their parents most of the time. You can probably imagine that, whether they're at school. So there's 168 hours in a week. 30 hours are at school or nursery, 80 hours are in bed-ish, and then 58 hours doing other things. So when they're in school, they can do whatever. Hopefully I've got the math right. Someone else can figure that out. Um, when, they're, when they're in school, they're obviously focusing on their school staff. Um, but the, if we as a church have them for an hour on a Sunday morning, out of 58 hours, that's 1.7% of their time. And that's just of their free time. So they're also being discipled by their school, by the way. When they're asleep, I'm not so sure. But when, you know, there's lots going on that's forming them in their lives, in their faiths, in their walks. So if I'm brutally honest, that's the same for all of us. We're not discipled in church. The rest of the time is where that discipling is happening, that growing in faith. And it's the same for young people. We are discipled in church a bit, obviously, but the majority of our discipleship is coming outside of Sunday morning. And so when it comes to children growing in faith, as parents, we have a responsibility to grow our children in faith, as, to make that an important part of our home life, an important part of the way we are honest with our children, to talk about our faith and to encourage and build them up. And so when we come together on a Sunday, it's actually kind of like we're like a discipling community that's coming together to help each other disciple our children outside. And it's a kind of a different feel when you, when you flip it like that, that Sunday mornings for our young people and our children is not the be-all and end-all about faith. It's actually just kind of a reporting back of what's been going on in the week. And so for parents... I want to encourage you. Um, we, expect, we expect parents in this, in this church to be on team once a month as a, as a minimum um, because, one, we don't have the people to, to, to run it as a sort of babysitting club every week. Um, but actually, because we're invested as a community to disciple and 
build up our children and young people together. And so if you're, if you're not in that, you're missing out on learning from each other, learning to see what other kids are doing, learning to see what other parents are doing. And so um, I'd encourage you, if you're, if you're a parent of a little one, get involved in kids, make sure you sign up and talk to Abby about that. Um, especially seeing as we're going to have a little time when we don't have Abby and we won't have anyone in that role. So uh, the kids team are going to be uh, holding for They're going to do an amazing job, I'm sure. So that's parents. Um, get involved. Live a life of faith. But how, what about the rest of us? What do we do if you, if you don't have children or if you don't have anyone like that? That's sort of your responsibility to disciple. Well, simple. Treat them like a brother or sister in faith. Treat them like a brother or sister. Think of them that actually we care for them, for every single person we see on a Sunday morning. Gosh, we care about you. We want you to be a part of this. What's the way that we can serve those little people, those young people? You know, our, our, our kids' work and youth work is amazing. It's so fun. And Abby's done such a good job setting it up, establishing it. I can't wait to see where God is going to take it. Um, for us non-parents, actually, we have a role to play within that. Um, or if you are parents and your kids have grown up and as well, I'll include you as well. Um, you can... This, these young people are, are there to be encouraged, to be built up, um, to, to, be, to be trained in the faith. And it's not right for everybody to be involved in kids for safeguarding reasons. Some people uh, can't be involved in that kind of thing. And we want to make sure that we, so we have safer recruitment practices here at Concord Church. We want to make sure that we have a safe space for our young people in all the ways that they're involved in church. And um, so it might not be for everybody, but I think that for some of us, we discount ourselves from encouraging the younger generations. We think, well, I don't have the best words. I'm not that kind of person. I, I'm not an influencer or I'm not somebody who can kind of, I don't know, speak into children's lives profoundly. I'm not that person. And it's so easy to count yourselves out. But, you know, kids and young people and students and all of those who are anyone who's younger than you, they don't need experts they don't need people who are, you know, know exactly how to live. They just need people who can encourage them on the next few steps, the next few steps on the journey and say, oh, this is what I did. You know, this is what I was, this is how I've got through this. This is what I've learned over the last, uh, last season of my life. And it might be like, well, I've got no time. I've got no time to be involved in kids' work. Well, or involved in youth work, or I've got no time to make friends with people. Well, why not? Just invite them into things you're already doing, stuff that you're doing in your life that you already go to. On a Sunday morning, you're already here, so make friends with, while you're here. Invite them to, I don't know, if you're like, oh, well, we, we always have a Sunday lunch on a Sunday, invite them to that. You know, invite them to things like that. Obviously, if it's, you know, don't go up to a toddler and invite them to Sunday lunch. Like, talk to their parents and befriend families, befriend young people uh, with, with their families in mind that we are, we are together and um, that we care for them. It's so hard being a young family and if you know it's so hard having having kids it's 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 I, I honestly wasn't expecting it. I wasn't ready for it and so we want we want your support I want your support um we all want to support them I need to stop because I've been talking for way too long um let's start investing in those that are younger than us and um let's start caring and loving let's get to know them let's love them whether they're students young adults young families, keep going, whatever's left, middle-aged, whatever, whatever. Just keep loving each other and investing in each other. Let's do it. Should we stand together and we're going to worship? We're going to sing a final song as we finish. Um, I've gone on way too long. Apologies. 
Father, we thank you so much for everybody who is different to us in our community, whether we're a different age or stage or whatever it is. And Lord, we pray and thank you so much for the needs of the younger people. God, we thank you for young people in this church, whether they're little babies all the way through to the young people in their 70s and 80s. God, we we thank you so much that we are all young at heart in some ways, that we can all carry on learning. And God, I pray that you would put young people on our hearts, that as a church going forward, we would care deeply about all of those young people, from the kids to the youth to the students to everybody. And Jesus, we pray that we would particularly look out for them, look for ways to include them. We know there's no silver bullet, there's no perfect program. But God, I pray that we'd have a vision, we'd have a heart, and you'd challenge us and call us forward in it. In Jesus' name, amen.